0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, those are the victory horns, which you hear after every big event, after every big pay-per-view. And today, they sound for Islam Makachev still the lightweight champion of the world, probably, and should be on most most people's list, the number one pound for pound fighter on planet Earth. Absolutely annihilates Alexander Volkanovsky with a stunning head kick, a barrage of ground and pound, and Islam Makhachev needed less than five minutes to get the job done this time. How do you spell closure? I-S-L-A-M. He got his closure. The rivalry is over. Islam Makachev, still the lightweight champion of the world following a chaotic and mayhem-filled UFC 294 event in Abu Dhabi as we welcome you to the UFC 294 post-fight show here on MAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck, being joined by my fellow Baldy, the wise wordsmith, Diamondbacks fan, and a man who will probably have a lot to say about what transpired today in Abu Dhabi, Mr. Shaheen Al-Shadi. What's up, Shaheen? What's up, Mike Heck? Oh my gosh, what a weird, violent, delightfully bizarre
1: night. And you know the best part? It's only like 3, a, 3 p.m., baby. It's the afternoon. The sun's still out. We got a whole night ahead of us. I love it.
0: Yes, it is not 3 p.m. where Jed Machu is at. He is in the ATL. It is 6.05 p.m., which is still way better than like 3 a.m.
2: The sun Jed, is how still are you out. Feeling? Uh, Shaheen is just all the way incorrect. It's okay. He's been wrong all week. Uh, because the best thing (laughs) is that Islamakachev gassed that man up. We done. I don't ever have to do this nonsense again. And gosh, is it a relief? We're out. We are out from under the onus of the nonsense. And even in the post fight, he didn't really push for the welterweight thing. We're, we're free, guys. We are free for people to fight in their own weight classes. We should all be celebrating. What a glorious victory.
0: There's the horns. I, I hope you're right about that, but you never know. Short notice things could happen and phone calls could be made, and we might be having a different conversation not too long from now. But Shaheen, I'll begin with you. There's a lot to talk about here, but let's start at the top. Let's talk about – the Performance from Islam Makachev. Yes, this fight came together very quickly. Yes, Alexander Volkanovsky stepped up on less than two weeks' notice for Charles Oliveira. Their first fight, fight of the year contender. Islam Makachev made sure, and you could kind of see it in his face. We talked about it on the watch party. This man just looked ready to go. He looked focused. Not that he was ever in like bad shape, but he looked in impeccable shape. And you noticed it when Bruce Buffer was given the introductions. And then he just goes out and just ices Alexander Volkanovsky. Your reaction to what we saw from the lightweight champion of the world in the main event?
1: What else is there to say, man? Islam Makachev is that dude. Like, he is. He is that man. That is the best pound-for-pound fighter on the entire planet. and And the... The, the feeling that that man must be feeling right now inside of himself. Eight, he's heard for eight months straight about how all this controversy in the first fight, how Volk beat him, et cetera, et cetera. Volk ended the fight it, with the momentum on top. If that fight goes longer, Volk wins. Everything that that man has heard over the last eight months, all gone now. All silent. That man put it to rest. There is no controversy here. He is again. He is the best fighter in the entire world in my eyes. And just what an all-around package this guy has become, right? Because this wasn't a grapple fest. This wasn't a Habib Nurmagomedov esque just stifling a domination on the ground. That man just knocked out Alexander Volkanovsky. Like you can repeat that sentence as many times you want as you want. Islam Makhachev just knocked out Alexander Volkanovsky with a head kick. That is crazy. That is not an outcome that I think many people saw coming. That is the first time Alexander Volkanovsky has been knocked out since 2013. Like this is just, if you were Islam Makhachev, this was the perfect performance to be able to quell all of that and just become who you are I don't think this man lives under the shadow of Habib off anymore he is a Islam Makachev he is one of the best lightweights we've ever seen perhaps and he is now one fight away get this right he's now one fight away from tying the UFC's all-time record for most consecutive title defenses for a lightweight champion obviously he has done that against a featherweight back-to-back times but he is still that record is three he is at two that next time out is going to be a historic opportunity for him, and he is in the prime of his career. We could we will not be able to say the same thing about Alexander Volkanovsky, right? We have talked about this age ad nauseum in the lead up to this fight. This man is getting up there, he is 35 years old, and at an age where that doesn't really keep it work, keep it going that very, or not a lot of people, I should say, can keep it going that long in the lighter weight classes. Islam Makachev is in the prime of his career he is still young and he is getting better every time we see him he is the the multifaceted nature of this man game continues to evolve and grow every time we see him just unbelievable performance from the lightweight champ unbelievable
0: jed you with every performance makachev has especially this one you probably feel a little bit more vindicated because you've been screaming from the mountaintops for a while that is on makachev is the guy goes out and just ethers volkanovsky just an incredible finish to end the rivalry and answer all the questions and basically everything Shaheen just said. What is your reaction to this? And on top of that, we were kind of both on the same page in terms of how fans would react to how Makachev does today. Like, some people thought he was kind of in a lose-lose situation. If he loses, oh, I can't believe he just lost to a dude on 12 days' notice. And if he won, well, you just beat a guy coming off the couch on 12 days' notice. This kind of performance, I think, takes a lot of those theories and a lot of those narratives out of play. So put Makachev right now compared to where he was heading into this fight, especially on the 12 days notice and just your reaction to the performance in the finish.
2: I think this was the only way he could win uh, tonight because if he wins a decision, even if it's a dominant one, right? Uh, I think that that's true. The narrative just becomes, well, you fought a smaller dude who had 12 days notice and You couldn't do it. The only way he could really silence any of the doubt that was going to be there um, was this. And straight up, I just didn't think he could do it. Like That's why I didn't really give that much credence in the conversations we had this week. I was like, yeah, I I thought he could win. I thought he would win. I picked him to win. But I thought that it might just look a little more dominant than the first one, which, again, I I thought was a very, very good performance from him. I, I scored four rounds for him in that first fight. I thought it could have looked the same, just maybe more clear, so that there's no person alive who can credibly argue that he lost. But I didn't think he was just gonna blast him in the first round. Like, and and honestly, like it was easy work. Like just not saying that Alexander Volkanovski is not incredibly good and and competed in the phases of that, but Volk was losing the fight prior to getting his head kicked off. And he landed four strikes. Volkanovski has four significant strikes landed, and that kind of shows you what it was. He was able to compete against this man in a manner but not really thrive against this man and not have success. He was able to stave off the problem, and a lot of that probably can be attributed to the 12 days notice. That was the thing I had the biggest question mark coming in was – how good is he going to look? Because there had been reports that he had been training since the hand injury or since the hand surgery for this and seems pretty clear that if he had been, it wasn't like hard-nosed training prep for this. Like some would imagined that this really was a coming-off-the-couch thing. Casey and I talked about it in the during the post-fight presser. For as good as Makachev looked, Volk did not look like he was at his peak of physical conditioning. And so I think it's pretty fair to say that this was not the best Volkanovski. And considering the best Volkanovski lost to this dude, you can't fight Zemokhachev if you ain't 100% and all the way. It just is going to be a really, really bad night for you because he's the best guy in the world and he's getting better. He's 31. He's getting better. Like you, I don't know what to do other than bring a bat with you to the cage because you ain't beating this man with just your hands.
0: I thought the turning point in the fight was that they, they started battling up against the fence, looked very similar to moments early in the first fight. And then when Makachev got a little separation, he could have gone outside and turned into a striking battle. But no, he grabbed the, the tie clinch. It was almost like Anderson Silva, Rich Franklin esque. And he was kneeing Volkanovsky in the face. And Volk was trying to get free. She's and he couldn't knees, until Makachev actually let him free. And then that was the beginning of the end because the head kick came not too long after that. And he set set it up
2: immediately. Yeah. Setting up the head kick immediately with body kicks. And you see Volk uh, on that. He's blocking down. He's not like all the way down, but he is not high blocking. He's about here. And it just comes right in. Like that was a masterclass, man. And again, I, I think it is reasonable to take something away from Makachev here because that clearly was not the best Volkanovsky, but only the smallest amount to take away from him. He can't help what happened. I, is now the time, Mike, can I now take my victory lap and saying, hey, like when I said on Monday or whatever, the first time we talked about this on air and I was like, I mean, I know we all think that this is going to be super fun, but there's maybe the most likely scenario is on Saturday, we're all like, well, okay, that wasn't the first fight because that's where we are. Like, terrific performance from Makachev, awesome, but does anyone – anyone think that it might not have just been cooler to let these two dudes fight full camp and see what that looks like, even though I think Makachev wins it. I do feel like we lost a little something because of the short notice here.
0: And we'll kind of get into that from the Volkanovsky side in a few moments. But Shaheen, let's talk about this because Jed, one of his victory lapses, hey, look, now the divisions are back to normal. Now lightweights can fight lightweights and featherweights can fight featherweights and welterweights can fight welterweights. So Hallelujah. now the, the big question for Islam Makhachev, if you are the matchmaker here, and AK and I will answer these questions tomorrow morning on onto the next one live on this year channel. What's next for Islam Makhachev? Do you give him Justin Gaethje after the knockout of Dustin Poirier? Do you go back to Charles Oliveira? Either way, I'm in, and I'm down to watch both of those fights. But do you favor one over the other here? Is there one fight you would rather see over the other?
1: Oh Jed, my sweet sweet summer child, that is. Just so naive to think that. I hope you're right. I desperately, desperately hope you're right, but we all know that that's not right and that it's only going to be like two or three months before the next, hey, I want to be champ champ. Hey, I want to move up and take whatever. Oh, I mean, Sean
2: O'Malley, Alexander Volkanovsky is coming. Like we all know that's coming, (laughs) but we got some time.
1: There are, there are many permutations of this that could play out. Islam Mankachef might try to go to welterweight. We have no idea. Uh, Either way. Next up for Islam, for me, I would go Charles Oliveira. I know this is right now a debate between him and Justin Gaethje. I just don't see the sense in taking the shot away from Charles Oliveira just because he happened to get hurt before this fight. It's not like that ended up hurting the card. People seem still seem to enjoy the car regardless. He earned that shot, in my opinion. I mean, Benil Daryush was on an incredible streak, and he managed to shut that down very easily. That, to me, is the most definitive performance that anybody else has at lightweight. I think he earned that with both his resume and also, again, the, the Darius Uh Justin Gaethje, I'm not going to take anything away from knocking out Dustin Poirier because that was certainly a hell of a feat. But Gaethje still, I mean, he he's not some un, undeniable content, number one contender in my mind. I would still like to see the fight that we should have seen this past weekend, which was Oliveira.
2: Boo. Boo this man. Boo. Nah, man. Nah,
1: man. You don't get your spot taken away because you got injured. That's That's dumb.
2: But, but here's the thing. He got his spot because it was just sort of weird and they didn't totally have anybody because the way they'd lined up the Gaethje Poirier fight was kind of too close to do this or whatever. Like I don't have a huge issue if you run it back, but just – I don't know. You got dummied round one like – Beating Benny like that, as an A-plus win, ain't nobody take that away. But like maybe get two, maybe get a second one under the belt before we run this right back. Also, now that we're past the Volk stuff and I can say now say other things to infuriate people, I'm going to start pushing the conspiracy theory that Charles intentionally got cut so he wouldn't have to fight him in Abu Dhabi again because I think that that's very funny.
0: That's crazy.
2: Charles was like outright I don't want to fight Nab Dhabi," and then they made him and so he gets cut sus pushing that conspiracy theory all the way boys
1: MMA fighting does yeah, not let's... endorse the comments coming yeah. from Jed Mishu right now
2: I'm not sure yeah, I we endorse
1: either we're not saying graphic.
0: can we put a DAZN kind of graphic we apologize for the skin Jed <laughs> <skin laughs> Mishu. Like we apologize for the salty language here. So Jed, let's, let's, I'm going to go back to you in a minute, Shaheen, but let's talk about Alexander Volkanovsky, Jed, because we were wondering during the watch party, what is Volkanovsky going to say? Is he going to say, look, I'm going to take some time off. We'll figure things out. Or is he going to say, nope, I'm ready for January. I'll fight Ilya Teporia. And that's exactly what he said. I'm ready for January. Let's fight Ilya Teporia. I don't wanna sit around too long, which is the biggest reason why he took this fight because he just was tired of sitting around waiting. What do you think of all this? Cause I just like, I just have just in my stomach and, and internally, I just feel like, I feel weird about it. I feel kind of gross about it. Like Volk's a man and he's the featherweight champion and ultimately it's his decision. But after getting knocked out like that, Turning around three months later to fight a guy like Ilya Taporia. I don't love it, man. What are your thoughts on it?
2: Deeply concerned. Deeply, deeply concerned. Look, like you said, ultimately, he's a grown-ass man. He can do whatever he wants. It is his life. He's got to live with the consequences, and he knows what he is doing. He said that coming into this. Like, I'm not taking anything away. I have accepted this fight knowing the circumstances, and I'll live with the outcome. And that's we have to afford him that luxury. I think it is an incredibly bad idea to do a January fight for this man coming off a loss, coming off a knockout loss, having to now cut weight and basically immediately get right back in it while also having a pretty nasty cut to to mend. I think it's just about as bad of an idea as can be. Uh, there's no reason the UFC has to do this fight in January. Like They can say, we'll do it in March. like there's there is nothing pulling. You don't have to put Tapuria Volk in Canada. It's fine without it. Like you, you just do it in any other venue and give him some more time, particularly because again, talked about it with Izzy, the frequency with which Izzy was fighting and is that playing a factor? Volk wants to be very active, and I understand that sort of thing. but, that has a double edged sword, and we have seen how that affects fighters very, very frequently who fight three times a year and just keep getting after it every three or four months. It's just a very tough way to go in a sport that isn't forgiving. And the last kind of thing I'll say about this, because it's the part that is the most concerning outside of the risk that he is taking with his featherweight title against a hammer like Ilya Taporeo, which I think is like a very big risk to take that fight, not glibly, but very very quickly here um i had that was a concerning post fight presser out of nowhere like the way he is talking and uh, you know it's very clear i'm not the biggest volk fan i don't wish ill on him and i hope that he is doing well and can work through whatever challenges he is dealing with but hearing him say stuff like i get in my head and i need the the structure of a fight camp to kind of not get into this way and and be about this, I've got to stay it. One, that's concerning, like, just in general. Two, that's really concerning for a fighter who is approaching the end of his prime. Um, I, I would say he probably is outside of his prime at this point. He's 35. But, like, that's not the mentality of a guy who, if he is about to fall off and his age would suggest that that's right around the corner, that's the sort of mentality that leads to a BJ Penn like end of career, where you just want to keep that. This is too much for you, and you are just going to keep getting in there. And I don't want that for Volk, and I'm certain that the fans of Volk don't want that. And so we don't. I don't have to, you know, say that that is for sure about to happen. But if I were, if you were asking me, if I was in his corner, I would strongly counsel him to take a little bit of time off to to heal from this before defending his belt, and to. Seek help, like figure out how to work through this in a way that is, frankly, more healthy than just saying I'm going to keep fist fighting dudes and that will solve these problems. Because at some point that part of it goes, and you you need to you need to have a better way to handle this than fight camp.
0: Gene, what do you think?
2: No, I
1: mean I, I think Jed's spot on. Um, I i always hesitate in these situations to play armchair psychologist right um a i appreciate volk for his candor that is what we ask of our athletes that's what we hope for from these athletes that's what we appreciate about mma is the level of candor that these athletes give us in these sort of very vulnerable situations But man, I mean, that was real, right? Like what he was saying felt very real. It felt very, um, it felt like something that had been weighing on him. And for an athlete who is 35 years old, and we talk about it all the time in the lower weight classes, that things start to end or at least turn right around now. For an athlete who probably is closer to the, not probably, but like is closer to the end than the beginning, certainly. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm concerned I mean, Volk doesn't need me to be concerned, right? Like, but I am concerned about what retirement will be like for Alexander Volkanovsky if this is sort of the way that he is facing what he's dealing with right now and sort of the way that he, his life has sort of been structured right now, because that was certainly concerning, man. You don't want to hear that. You know, I think I'm certainly someone who has suffered from depression and dark places at at various points in my time, in my life. And I'm sure plenty of other people out there have as well, who are watching this, that you can pick up the signs when you see it, right. When you see somebody talking in that way. So I don't know, man, I hope to God, I hope to everything that can, you can hope for that this does not lead to a Bj Penn style end of career, right? Like that is the worst case scenario, and we have seen that we're seeing it play out with other people, right? Tony Ferguson, the type of guys who this is everything to them, and there is nothing else. And if the, if this is not going on in their lives, they don't know what to do with themselves. I hope that Volkanovski is not facing that sort of fate. Um, whenever this does come to an end because who knows when that happens but there's a very good chance that that'll happen sooner rather than later Um, and it was certainly concerning to hear that from the featherweight champion and again he doesn't need our concern he's not someone who who cares what i think or what jed thinks or what what you think mike Um, and again i appreciate his his willingness to speak on these subjects but yeah man that was tough to
0: hear yeah and on top of that before you move on He's on in his, like, he's probably rounding the corner. He's probably approaching the back nine. He's probably arguably on the back
2: nine of his career. He is on the back nine. So
0: he's on the back nine of his physical fighting prime. But he is smack dab in the middle of his prize fighting prime. And what I mean yes. by that is he's at the point where he's making big money. He's doing big money fights now. And it took him a long ass time to get there. And now he's here. So he wants to take full advantage of this while he has it because there is going to be a time where, you know, he loses two or three in a row and then those big money fights, those big money opportunities go away. And Volk's talked about it openly and honestly for years, I want to take care of my family. I don't want to be one of those fighters that leaves the sport with nothing. I want to cash in and then do cooking shows and do things I want to do and spend time with my family. So I think that's part of it as well. But Hey, at the end of the day, like we said, he's a grown man. He's one of the, at worst, one of the three best fighters on planet Earth right now. And he can make the decision and I just hope he's all right in the long run. So let me add just real quick. Sure, um, please. I do also agree with Jed and I, think, I believe Casey, we
1: were talking about this as well. I do hope that the UFC doesn't book him for January, right? Like that was- You just can't do it, man. That was a vicious knockout, man. That was really brutal. And for someone who- age and also just hasn't had that suffered that type of fate in a in quite a long time hasn't had that since type of the last time happens. he fought a
2: welterweight
1: yeah like that is not something that you want to take lightly and just turn around and, and fight a, a, a demon like Ilya Zaporia three months later like that is how you speed run Damn. through the end of your career right like we saw we saw Michael Bisping do this when he fought George St. Pierre he lost and then turned around real fast and got knocked out by Kelvin Gastelum and then it was over like that, that is the exact roadmap for a person, for an athlete of Volks, status, age, everything to just speed run to the end of this for you. If you want to just start doing these quick turnarounds after pretty brutal results like that. I just, I, I hope the UFC doesn't do it if they can do it if they want. Cause again, he's, a, he's a grown man. He can make his own decisions. I, my opinion means nothing in the grand scheme of things. I just think that's very unwise. And if you're the UFC, give Canada, you know, Juliana Pena versus Raquel Pennington and say, I'm sorry that that's your main event, but him, you're going to have to deal Give it him Sean Strickland PDP.
2: Canada can, oh, if, I don't know, can Sean Strickland go to Canada? wouldn't shock me if he like couldn't go to Canada for some reason, but you can do anything. Just don't do this fight in Canada, man. Like there's simply no need. It is just that way. To. We
1: have a lot of examples of fighters doing things like this and very few examples of it working out
2: well. Yeah, and that's the other thing too because like you can learn the lesson not even from history. From this weekend, half of the narrative of this fight is 12 days short notice, and then the response is, well, how often has that really worked historically? Not, It hasn't been very good historically for fighters to come in on short notice in situations like these, and we just saw it like you don't have to buck a historical trend you can just take your time get yourself better and i understand that there is a tension there because he is getting older and i i posited this like last year uh, I, I was like volk saying he wants to be active i think a part of that is that he probably knows where the clock is on him and that it's running low and so if he fights once a year that that's really compressing his opportunity as mike said to make this money and so I get that he doesn't want to wait too long because then age becomes a factor. But dude, turn around in two and a half months—that that ain't—that ain't, that is just not it. We will see
0: what happens. Uh, what a performance from Izal Makachev, and we'll see where both guys go. But let's talk about Shaheen—the fight that everybody had circled. Again, short notice. Kamar Usman steps in to replace Paul Costa to fight Hamzat Shemaev, who has not fought since the UFC 279 debacle in September of last year, when he beat Kevin Holland in the first round. And the way this fight started off, Shaheen, it looked like vintage mm-hmm. Hamzat Shemaev. 10-8's Kamar Usman, at least in my world, has his back, has control, looks like he might finish him. And then Kamar Usman DDTs himself enough to the point that gets Hamzat Shemaev off of his back for a couple of seconds. And then the tides start to turn a little bit, and Kamar Usman gets cooking. Third round, one of the judges actually gives Kamar Usman the third round, which I don't hate. But in the end, Hamza Chamaev wins a majority decision against the former welterweight champion of the world and one of the best fighter, one of the 20 best fighters of all time. So, Gene, let me ask you with everything that happened the layoff, the new weight class, everything he's had to go through over the last 13 months, getting the new opponent on. 11, 12 days notice and getting the win. How do you grade Hamzat Shemayev's performance?
1: What a curious, curious result this one is, right? Like I have spent more time in the past hour and a half or however long it's been thinking about this one than I have about anything else and trying to process how I feel about this one and what it means for me moving forward. Because you're right, Mike. Heck, first five minutes of that fight Hamza Shmaev looked more superhuman than that dude has ever looked in, in in a very superhuman octagon career so far, right? He looked like he's the next greatest fighter of all time. He looked like the goat against Kamaru Usman for that first five minutes. And it was surreal to see someone manhandle Kamaru Usman in the way that Hamza Shmaev was manhandling that man. Because we have just we have so much distance with Kamaru, right? Like we've been on this journey with Kamaru, we have seen him fight a lot of tough challenges. I've never seen him get manhandled like that first five minutes. And then the next 10 happened, right? And then you get the next two rounds. And now I don't know, right? Because ultimately you look at the, just from a wide lens, a uh, uh, broader scope, Amzat have checked the most important box tonight. He absolutely did, right? He beat Kamar Usman. He is now the second man uh, under the UFC banner to ha- own a victory over Kamar Usman. And not just that. I mean, this is impressive to me, at least his four takedowns against Usman. That's four, four more times than any Usman had given up throughout like 17 UFC fights prior to this weekend, right? Like Usman was 36 of 37 on takedown defenses before this one. And then Hamza Shemaev comes in and gets four off him. That to me is a feather in his cap, regardless of the circumstances that maybe surround this fight. But also, and that's the, but it's difficult for me to overlook those circumstances in the grand scheme of things. When we talk about Hamza Shemaev and who he could be at, at middleweight, right? Because I think that anyone out there right now watching this, who watched this fight that have concerns now about Hamza Shumayev's potential gas tank, that feels probably pretty justified to me after what we just saw. I mean, we just saw him face, ultimately, it's Kamaru Usman still, but it is a 36-year-old welterweight who was on a two-fight slump, who moved up on a division on less than two weeks' notice. And I would have been fascinated to see how this played out if Usman had another two rounds to work. Because it did feel like he had taken momentum and he had he, he was emotional after the fight talking about that because it felt like he felt like that as well. The whole thing just gives me pause because we have been talking about Hamza Shemaev as this eventual UFC champion forever for three years. this this his destiny has been foretold from the moment we saw him at Fight Island first to that quick turnaround, right? He is he was supposed to be the next great champion. And now you look at this middleweight division and the weird place it's in, I don't know, man. What's Sean Strickland's like, if not number one, what's one of his top greatest strengths, right? Cardio. Man does not get tired. And you look at that matchup now. Sean Strickland, if he can survive whatever the hell Hamzat Shamaya gives him for that opening round in a potential matchup, that feels like that's suddenly a much more competitive fight from round two onward than it did on
2: Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. That fight is extremely not competitive if Strickland gets out of the first round. He going to put a whooping on Hamza if he can survive the first round. I'm saying it don't get competitive. It just switches the ass beating. That is a full U-turn of hands coming one way.
1: And that is just, I don't know, man. It's a weird place right now. But ultimately, I'll I'll end here because I know we're going to talk about this, but – I don't think it should even matter because my hope is that we don't even have to worry about this anytime soon. This is a great win. It's an admirable win. It's a nice name for the resume. It is not a performance that warrants skipping what is already a crazy crowded queue at 185. What is more impressive to you? Trick is to pussy coming in, demolishing a full camp Robert Whitaker inside two rounds, leaving no doubt or Hamzat Shamayev kind of eking out a pretty close decision over no-camp Usman who was coming up a weight class to save a card. Like, this is simple. This is straightforward. Yeah, Hamzat the, is the biggest star, and maybe DDP is not in the UFC's good graces right now for making the quickest turnaround ever. But, like, some claims are undeniable, and if, if Hamzat jumps DDP because of what we saw today, that's just the wrong thing.
0: That's just UFC doing the wrong thing. Jed, how do you grade the performance, day. and are you doing the DDP dance right now?
2: I am. This is a great day. It's a great day, baby. (laughs) I kind of mentioned it on the watch party when I was asked, I was like, is this, do we think this is the performance that's going to get you a title fight? Like, it wouldn't shock me if they still went to it, but it's not like Hamzat was really pushing that hard for it. And even Dana at the post fight, like, very non committal to where that goes. I think, you know, the biggest winner today is going to be Isla And I think the second biggest winner today is Drikas Duplessis. I think he now has life for a title fight, which. A month ago, he was third in line at best, and now uh, I would handicap him as the presumptive favorite to be the guy to fight Sean Strickland, particularly if they decide, "Hey, we need to get somebody in here to Toronto because actually Volkanovski can't do it, and Strickland will go." And DDP should be getting and staying ready at this point in time. So, um, look, I I left that fight. I watched it with you on the watch party, Mike. Uh, I love that fight impressed by both dudes in different ways. Um, Hamza, I have the same questions Shaheen mentioned. Uh, I think, you know, once is is kind of an anomaly too, Is starting to be a trend. We have now seen the two fights Hamza has had where he didn't just absolutely run roughshod over the dude in the first round or did, but it got out of that. Uh, He struggled really, really hard down the stretch and now reports that he may have broken a hand and that could could affect it i also think pretty clearly his cardio was not there and casey and i were talking about this that's not the kind of fight that you anticipate your cardio suffering like hamzat was in dominant positions for four minutes of that fight and those are substantially easier to hold and by the end of that fight it really did kind of look that usman on 12 days notice like she said if he had a couple more rounds like it, it felt like he was fresher moving forward there so in that respect uh you know, I have some questions about Hamza, but at the same time I saw a ton of things that were really impressive. We've never seen anyone do that to Kamar Usman. The way he was wrestling was stood out to me the most. I mean, we know that he can, but Kamar Usman is like statistically the greatest defensive wrestler in UFC history. And Hamza Had a pretty easy time once he got connected and getting his series rolling, his finishes on doubles, his blast power that he hit a couple of times. Like we've never seen Kamar Colby Covenant, an All-American wrestler, and we have never seen Kamar Usman get run through the chest like that. So some impressive stuff. I thought he looked better on the feet, looked a little more confident and comfortable than we've seen him there. He's still getting better and that's all good. And on the other side of it, I was really impressed by Usman on 12 days notice, not just kind of wilting after that first round and an experience he can't have had that often in his life, frankly, given that he's one of the best fighters ever of being totally dominated and putting the pieces together, creating like – maybe not doing everything that like you would have hoped maybe push more of a pace and effort at the end but staying in there continuing to fight and working his way back into the fight to you know get a draw on one judge's scorecard and a lot of people out there seem to think he deserved a draw and if you score that fight a draw I would not say you're wrong it's not how I scored it but I think there are good takeaways from both men and that's kind of to tie this all together was sort of my issue with this card coming in is that's kind of the best you can hope for from fights like these is you can take away good things from people but 12 days notice is not mixed martial arts and it is but it's not high level world class top of the food chain mixed martial arts that we are paying money to watch and enjoy we the the reason we're in this sport is to watch the best in the world be the be at their best, and compete. And it's not really what we got, frankly, in either the main or co-main, but we still got good things that are at least enjoyable to kind of think about and parse afterwards.
1: So something interesting in related to this conversation, just email just hit my inbox. Hamzad Shamiyev, Sean it. Strickland, betting lines. Opened right after this fight. Hamzad Shamiyev 300 favorite. Over oh, the I... Over the champ. Over the champ. That has now been bet all the way down already to minus 145.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I would – I wonder what those lines would have were like last week.
0: Probably much higher.
2: I would assume that pre this fight, those lines are much higher. But there's a clear path to victory for for Strickland, like a very, very clear. I got to survive hell in the first round and it will be hell. But if I can – I'm just going to keep kicking him in the gut and keep putting the pressure on him and see what happens. And yeah, I I don't know who I'd pick in that fight right now. Yeah, Maybe Chemayev, but... I'm in the same place. I'm in the same yeah, place, which is crazy, naive. which is,
1: it's not a place I expected to get to today. But I know right. who
2: I'm I would have go. picked in that fight two days ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it not a bit
2: Sean Strickland. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I do. I do want to add, though, because you mentioned it very briefly, Jed. I didn't mention it, but I mean, Hamza Shumayev, if he did break his hand in that first round like that, maybe explains a little bit more uh, of this, because that is that is a valid Like that's a valid point to add to this, like for proper context. Right. Like we we're still uncertain whether that's actually what happened or not. But if that
2: is real, that is a very important point to throw in this whole conversation. It yeah, is. I'm able- always less, like, I, I give a little less credence because weird things happen in fights, and so it's just it's one of those sort of just is what it is. It explains it a little more, but again, I'm less likely to believe that just because this is not the first time we've seen him have a dominant round one and then be a little listless and not do too much in the following round. Gilbert Burns, the, the fight went very similar to this, honestly.
0: Yeah, and at, at the same token... He was able to dig deep and find a way to win, despite the man, all that.
2: The man is not a wilting lily. He He's nope, going to nope. keep coming, but I have real questions about his cardio, and I am absolutely sure. dead certain that he is not winning a... If Sean Strickland, I hate this phrase more than anything, weaponizes his cardio, uh, Hamza Shemayev cannot win that particular contest.
0: But DDP, right now, is live, and his best friend right now... Is availability. When that phone rings and they say, hey, we so need yes. you for this date, this time, start, I don't start care training, when man. it is, you say yes. You say yes start and you go. training. Otherwise, you're getting – Hamza Chimaev getting a title shot. So he's got one shot It's fascinating. Yeah.
2: I need that. That's like legitimately one of my most anticipated fights now is DDP Strickland. The dynamics of that fight are incredibly weird and I'm so here for it. Jed, you said two
0: very important words, and I'm going to go back to you, Shaheen. Incredibly weird, because that's how you can describe a lot the of, the, of vibes the card that went place that, that took place at Abu Dhabi. Shaheen, let's let's go through this a little bit. We had Magomed yes, Live, Johnny Walker, end in almost a riot because a doctor just said, eh, "This fight's over." Johnny Walker didn't hear him, and when the referee even made a move and took his hands off him. Johnny Walker went back after Magoban Ankalaev, and then the referee said, no, the fight's over. Johnny Walker puts his hands on a ref. Dana White has to get into the cage. A bunch of security gets in the cage to keep these two dudes away from each other, and it looks like they want to keep fighting. Maybe they found themselves backstage and gotten into a scrap. Not really sure. Unanswered questions there. That doctor, that was not the first time he has been involved throughout this card because during the Javid Basharat-Victor Henry fight, Victor Henry gets kicked in the ding-ding, and he is hurting. The dude is screaming in agony to the point where I am in pain for him because of how painful his face looked. The guy who never got finished in a fight is just screaming bloody murder, and the doctor comes into the cage and says, hey, man, you can get kicked in the balls. Inexcusable. And and then Victor Henry's like, yeah, dude, he he got it all. He got the whole enchilada, and the fight ends in a no contest. We have two no contests. On top of that, Shaheen, we have, at least to my knowledge, because I didn't see any of the post-fight scrums or got any updates from the post-fight scrums once the watch party started, we had at least three fighters on this card who won fights, go into the back, speak to the media, and said that they had pretty gnarly staff infections heading into the fight and still competed and were cleared to compete. Shaheen, what the frig is going on here? What is going on? Because we got the top two storylines, but the rest of this, all of this stuff, this is bizarre. What the hell happened? I just cannot do it, Mike Heck. Dude,
1: we, this co- <laughs> it was like 10 a.m. where I am. And I had to just like straight up do a field sobriety test because I was feeling like this, these prelims had me drunk. Like these prelims were off the rails. They had way too many mimosas but for how early it was. It was, what are we doing? What? We, what I don't even know where to start. So I want to start with that doctor because it's one thing if you like have one mess up on a card, but to be able to pull off what he did with Victor Henry, where the balls it must take on that man to come into a cage when a professional cage fighter is screaming in agony And you are just straight up being like, nah, dude, just sack up. I don't know why you're going for an Oscar here. Like clearly nothing happened. Just deal with it. To say that to a professional cage fighter who is writhing on the ground in terrible agony is just a ludicrous thing to me to even like think of doing. Like how is that your decision making in that exact moment? Is to try to call this out on his BS. That is crazy to me. Then we find out later that Henry is throwing up in the back and that his testicles have swelled to the size of a small semi-seedless orange, according to Josh Barnett, (laughs) which is just tremendous, like just all around. Shouts to Josh Barnett. Yeah, shouts to Josh Barnett because I had to really Google what that fruit was. I had not heard of that before.
2: (laughs) It's just Uh, the best. When you use an analogy that no one gets, it's just
1: classy. I just, I can't fathom what was going through that man's head when he's sitting there trying to call BS on Victor Henry. Like, what are we actually talking about? And for that not to be your magnum opus of the night is like a real crazy thing because that man followed it up with his real main event with, with the Johnny Walker situation where like, what are we actually doing? Because if you look at the, the, just the general setup for that, right? You have a, I assume this doctor from hearing him, it sounded like he had an Arabic accent. I'm Arabic. Like that just sounded like an Arabic accent. Um, to have a man with an Arabic accent ask a Brazilian in English with a thick accent, uh, are you like, do you know where you are? And then to hear that man say back to him, I'm in the desert, I'm in the desert, and then not accept that as like a, ro- a logical answer or like a reasonable answer, or even like, hey, maybe that's not what the answer you wanted, but you're not gonna pursue down the, 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 you know, some follow up questions, like go down a path of like, hey, That's that's funny, but like, where are you actually? Like, you're just gonna accept that? Like, well, he clearly doesn't know where he is. Fights off and just wave it off from there is mind blowing. I have I have watched a sport a long time. I have never seen anything like the way that was handled. That was utterly ridiculous on just a real crazy level. And if Dana White hadn't gotten in the cage afterwards, like we would have seen an actual brawl. It felt like, and it would have kind of been deserved. Like, I don't actually. What it are you was a doing? Weird ass brawl too. Just what are you doing? What are, what are we doing, Mike? Like I, I'm, I'm actually like speechless. I don't actually understand who gave that man a medical license. Who put that man in that position to make those kind of calls? What, explain to me how any of this made sense.
0: I can't, you, and guess what? This this relationship is extended to 2028 now. So this guy might be sticking around for another five years. At this point, oh It's no! Easy, this no, dude should no, no. never be allowed.
2: That, guy, that guy's if gone. You,
0: if you Better are be. ever sick in Abu Dhabi,
2: do
1: not go to that man for help. Do, do not, not go to that man for help. He will not help you. <laughs> no.
2: That guy's that that guy's gone. Um, yeah, for sure. Gone. But she, Jed, and this is I very... want your reaction
0: to this. But also, Jed. Also, we had some pretty piss poor officiating tonight which is not new dude but we had yeah we, we had a fight the
2: same bad officiating we all. have yeah.
0: nathaniel that's wood did not deserve yeah nathaniel Wood did not deserve to win tonight he did not deserve to win but he certainly didn't deserve to lose because homeboy naimov should have absolutely gotten a point taken away after Kyle he did deserve perhaps. to win Countless kicks to the ding-ding. We had glove grabs. We had multiple offenses, four, five, six easy, and yet not a single point taken. And if you're vindicated by Islam Makachev, I think we could tag team the vindication. People who had given us crap about for the last three years, we've been telling people, just cheat. Just go ahead and grab the fence. Just start the fight with a field goal to the balls because it ain't going to get a point taken away. You're going to get a gigantic advantage from it. And at worst, <laughs> you could probably
2: do two or three more of even, those before a point even gets taken away. So between that... You might that, even get the ringside doctor calling you a liar.
0: Yes. The <laughs> ringside doctor might nope. come in and stop the fight.
2: Didn't hit you, bro. Years, you're good.
0: Despite you taking the, the illegal shot. It's craziness. But your reaction to all of this nonsense and this ridiculousness.
2: So the low blow is really, really bad. Um, because like, I don't know we're all dudes. Um, I feel like I've got a pretty good bead on when someone's faking that particular emotion. Um, and I could see through the screen that he was not faking that. And I think any man in the audience probably also could understand that. Uh, it always kills me when like the first reaction of the commentary booth is to be like, did it hit him low? And on this one, they were like, yeah, no, that's, I got him, We're we're good. So that was really, really bad. Um, I think, though, I'm willing to give him some slack on the Magadan Goliath one. You might be saying, Jed, why would you do that? He did. He rushed the ending and all these things. Um, it's not his fault. and Goliath is cursed. I don't know who, what gypsy woman he offended or whatever, like in holes, but – he he clearly did something wrong because he's got – he beat Paul Craig for 14 minutes and 59 seconds and gets tapped. He has the whole Ion Kutalaba weirdness and then the Jan Blahovich draw that the UFC now hates him for into this. He's the best light heavyweight on earth and he is clearly a cursed man. So doctor can't be blamed. These are higher powers at work for him. So that's just that just is what it is. Um, but yeah, it was bad. The officiating on this card was horrendous. Shouts to Tim Elliott, my guy. Huge amount of respect for you, Timmy, for one point saying, I'm going to cheat and it's on the ref to stop me. And then being the one man in history to kind of be screwed by doing that because his blow was legal <laughs> and then it came back to bite him, which is like very odd. Uh, look, it was just weird. And uh, Nathaniel Wood should have won because multiple points should have been taken from off. But th- I don't know what to tell you. If you're out here fighting the gods honest, you're you're screwing up, man. Like there is an overwhelming amount of empirical evidence to suggest that you have at minimum two fouls free. As long as it's not the same one, you can make a low blow and a fence grab or a fence grab and an eye poke or a low blow and an eye poke, shuffle them around. You probably have like four free because half the time they don't even stop you from grabbing the fence. They'll just hit your hand after the advantage has already happened. So you're, you're leaving free value on the table and for uh, a group of athletes who are obsessive to the point of legitimately physically endangering their own short and long term health to cut weight to get a pound of advantage and the percentages that come with that. Why all of you aren't cheating your absolute balls off is a shock to me because I don't know. I'm pretty comfortable saying Naimov won that fight because he cheated, just straight up, because he was losing the fight when he wasn't cheating. But he cheated a bunch, and so you should just be doing that. There's no reason not to.
1: Yeah, I man. I just can't. I just can't get over it. I just can't the get over all The one time this someone
2: it. cheating has ever been held against them, the one time is Pyotr Jan. It's the only time anyone has ever suffered a true negative consequence outside of Javid Basharak got a no contest instead of maybe a win. Like, it is Just cheat, man. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. I do not know what you need to see to believe that it is the correct course of action. Because it's
1: just obvious. Somewhere out there in the suburbs of Chicago, there was Keith Hagney sitting there watching this with a single tear rolling down his cheek and the most nostalgic, wistful smirk on his face because these prelims were straight out of UFC One. Like, none of this made any sense. And, Jed, exactly what you said is like the thing I can't get over, which is like, We're all guys here. That doctor is a guy, he's a man. We have all been hitting the balls. We all know what it feels like when the kibbles and bits are maybe not all the way there. How are you gonna call someone out on that? How are you gonna be like, nah, man, it didn't actually happen. Like Casey, I know you, you have trained with Victor Henry. I know he is more or less a teammate of yours. Can you come in here real quick? Is Victor Henry like this amazing, i guess doesn't it's, he specifically, best, specifically he, train oh, getting
2: hit in the nuts
1: hold on is it is he the best actor slash actress that we have ever seen mma produce oh Did absolutely you know that he was?
3: yeah we often when i go to our grappling sessions it's really we just stand on a stage and we perform shakespeare and um victor henry is <laughs> what's, just what's your thespian uh, um we're uh you know the one with the uh the big fruity collars yeah yeah
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes
3: yes that one it's dude true. i was i was watching it with teammates and we were just like like we just dude, victor henry like is such a tough dude and he's he's super talented and he was in a tough fight and yeah i don't know it, it just it was weird watching as a media member and watching my friend also and there that happening to him i was just like it, it it took a couple of fights for me to get over it honestly before i just kind of uh, and this is all bringing back bad memories but so um but now I'm i sorry. do know know yeah, sorry sorry <laughs> <about>. but next <laughs> time when, when i do see victor come back to the gym um i do know how to beat him now <laughs> oh god! Apparently. secrets out secrets <laughs> out you uh,
1: got the blueprint I want to say too because like all of this is kind of excusing like what may actually have been the worst thing which is seemingly Victoria Dudikova and a couple other fighters having just like really gnarly staff infections that's that
2: definitely that, the worst thing of the whole that call.
1: like blew up apparently in the middle of these fights like some of the quotes from Dudikova were pretty insane and like You know, other than the fact that it's completely disgusting and dangerous and not to mention selfish to just kind of put all athletes on the card who basically every person involved with this card's health at risk by hiding something like this. The thing that I don't get, which is actually something Dana White said as well, is like it also just incredibly bizarre to me to announce it in great deal after the fact. Like the fact like once you managed to pull this over on the UFC and you got away with it, you got away with it why are you telling anybody get like get out of there get out of abu dhabi go back the man who robs the bank does not return to tell the bank how he did it like that is crazy to me that you're gonna be up there and just be like oh yeah no i totally got one over on the ufc and i put everyone at risk everyone's health at risk like that's
0: nuts man what are you doing it's nuts craziness absolute craziness the other thing i learned today shaheen is something that you tweeted uh and we'll go to the fan questions as well First of all, Igor Malaskar, Sayyid, and Raga Madoff. easy nights at the office. But we also learned a valuable lesson that if you ever get in a fist fight and it feels like you're losing, just be an absolute maniac. Just act like you are possessed <laughs> and be the craziest person you can be because you will psych out your opponent who is winning the fight and is a live favorite at like minus 1200. Because that's what Mike Breeden did. He missed weight, he was losing two rounds. And then he went psycho on poor Jubilee and got a crazy finish in the third round. So that's another valuable lesson. Always cheat, and if you're losing, just go mental and you'll win. There you go. Dude. Congratulations, to Mike Breeden.
1: Dude, Dude that fight good, was insane. How good was that? How fucking good <laughs> was is that? That so was nuts. so
2: that was unbelievable. That
1: man went full Rough Riders in there and it totally worked. It, it did totally yeah. worked.
2: Awesome, dude. Dude, you just gotta retire if you're Jubilee, man. Like, this ain't for you. <laughs> that's just it. And look, like that's a good thing. You're talking to like I. I have a law degree. I went to school. I spent a lot of time, a lot of money to get my juris doctorate. And then I realized this ain't for me. And now I know not to do this, Angel Jubilee. You now know this ain't for you because that man just. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what he did. He looked like but he's all strong, of the things about. He looked like All of the things happening the there are acting. things like that if someone did that to me in public, I would have to fight them on principle. And he is supposed to be fighting this man's like, I'm good. I, I don't want it. I'm out. Like you, you you're just that, done. We've now found that
1: you're not this guy and that's okay. What's wild is that seemed like the sole factor that swung things. It's like that was the thing that – that was the catalyst that sort of changed the momentum was just doing the DMX, like going full DMX. He literally looked like he saw a ghost in there. I don't – like that man took lessons from Nick Diaz because that is the Nick Diaz formula to a T, right? We saw him do this to Takanori Gomi all the way back at Pride 33. Like you just got to out-crazy your opponent when you're left with no other options, and sometimes it works. And that actually worked. I can't believe it. That was – that was – like that is a lesson for us all in life, right? If you ever have problems, if life ever, hands you situa- if life ever hands you situations that you cannot deal with and you're just really going through something, just start barking in people's faces. Yep. It'll work out. It'll work out.
2: It's a terrible cliche to say that like in combat sports or in any team sport, uh, they just wanted it more because everybody wants it. Not this time. This is one of the very rare times that – Pretty clearly, one dude wanted it more than the other dude. And that was the determining factor in the outcome. Shocking.
0: There's a, was awesome. there's a bash going up about me. I hear American Boy by Estelle just crank it upstairs. So, um, oh. yes, that whole thing reminded me of, and then we'll move on. Do you ever see the movie, a I Man? They they see a movie I Mike
2: Love, Love You Man? Like Are they ever see movie I Love You Man?
0: Yes. So there's there's a scene we in the just movie. Scream where- Scream
2: at the dude after. Yeah, the, Jason Stiegl's dog. dog
0: poops on the sidewalk, and the guy steps in it, and it's supposed to tell Jason to pick up the, the poop, and he just screams at him. He goes, "Why don't you shut your hole?" And the guy just like <laughs> runs away. That's exactly what that was. It was inc- it was incredible because Breeden tried to talk to him and was trying to do the Ricardo Lamas thing, and it wasn't working. And then he realized, okay, I gotta turn this up to like Christian Bale, American Psycho levels. And you had like Huey Lewis and the News playing in his head and just went bananas. So here's how there you, you know it was good.
1: Here's how you know it was good because I don't know that I've ever seen this before. Our good friend Alexander K. Lee wrote the recap article for that fight. And I believe the headline was, uh, I want to pull it up, Mike Breeden goes feral. <laughs> like that is, when you win the headline for your okay. win, when the we'll headline for your win is your name, then the words goes feral right afterwards take a bow you've you've done it
2: you, you you've won the night well done aK proud of you for that one
0: good job buddy Casey come on back let's take a few questions from the peeps before we get out of here yeah. this was uh this was this is the thing this
2: is a card
3: it was a card mm, all
2: right it was a card huh doesn't sound like we're all as glowing about <laughs> this as people were a week ago. who could have told you that
1: I don't know. It wasn't a bad card. It was just a very weird, 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 weird th- card. I think <laughs> like the changes, the changes suck. wouldn't have changed the fact that like the first four hours of this card were just on meth. Like that didn't yeah, make so it, Nothing made any sense. I
2: think this card would be really bad if it wasn't 7 p.m. And I'm just stoked about how cool that is. Yes. Like, if this was two in the morning or whatever, I'd be pretty unhappy, I think.
0: Yeah. Breeden does have that dog in him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else? What else All we right. got? All right. Was that an example of Usman's stock going up even in defeat?
2: Yeah, I, would uh, say yeah. So.
0: I don't think so. Yeah. I think his stock just sort of
1: stayed the same, right? Yeah. Kind of lateral move. I don't know that anybody thinks lesser or more of him right now.
2: <laughs> I think yeah, his, maybe that's true.
0: I yeah, don't know. I think I how think the UFC views him is going to improve a little bit. I think he gets a little favor for this for taking the fight and then being competitive and overcoming the storm in the first round. But I don't think like that performance is just like, oh, let's take Colby out of the title fight and he fights Leon again. I don't think it did that, but he's, his next fight will still be an important fight. And I guess here's
2: that's the, like- Here's the issue I have with Usman. I started thinking about this this week. Um, it's not really fun to have him in middleweight, Because, like, do you care about watching him fight any middleweight that's, like, maybe Robert Whittaker would be fun? But that also feels like that's, like, a big jump up. But, like, do you care to watch Kamau Usman fight Brendan Allen or something? Like, who – what middleweights are fun matchups for him? Him He's in an odd spot. He's in a really tough spot. I don't want to see him fight Bo Nickel. I think Bo Nickel probably beats him and I just – that's. Maybe. I get, I get the point of that, that's, but. I what,
1: why, what, what, that's ins- like, what are we even talking about? Karl Usman's like the second greatest world's writer of all time. Who's just like a year removed from being champion. Why
0: are we throwing him against Bo Nickel? What? I'm not saying right now, but if you're asking me like what fight in middleweight, but, what fights at middleweight would intrigue me, that would be one of them.
2: That would be okay. Like I, th- I think that that's one of the better ones. But it's just like you look at these other ones. If Volk just bails on featherweight, like every lightweight matchup is sick, and I'm here for all of them. If Ma- if Makachev decided to come up to welterweight, most of those are at least pretty compelling. Usman coming up is just like Robert Whitaker is really the only one that I'm interested in, and that feels like a big jump. But like I don't need to see Kamaru fight. Jack Romanson or whatever. So it's well, I didn't think about it until kind of pre- in in the immediate build. I was like, I don't really know where he goes from here with the loss. I know where he goes. I who know you where he need goes.
3: To, well, who do you need to, to see Usman fight if you if you don't if you don't no. have a middleweight? Who do you need to see him?
1: Well, I don't Usman need to fight? see
2: him fight anyone. But well, that's well, I just I'm, that's, I, don't, I don't. The thing is, there, I don't even know there, who I want to see him fight. Well,
1: there's a very obvious answer yeah. here of where he goes because in two in like two months, light heavyweight, you. no, Jan Blahovich,
2: yes. Do we finally uh, get the Jan Blachowicz fight?
1: In two months, Colby Covington might be the welterweight champion, and then co- suddenly Kamaru Usman might get a, a free ride back to a title shot. And you know that that's true, and you know that that's possible. So this that's what it is. Day,
2: it's a happy day. Stop bringing your negativity here about that.
1: I'm just telling you that you need to prepare needs- for that scenario, because if Colby Covington wins that title, the first person he's going to call out is Kamaru Usman. No, he's first
2: gonna call, person's going to be Connor. Conor. Yeah. <laughs> well, first yeah, person's I mean- Connor Usman's number two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Or Dustin Poirier. he's Colby knows what he's doing, man. Like he knows what he's doing. I think Usman probably fights the winner. I'm giving away an no pick. I don't care. Um, he's probably going to fight the Wonderboy Shafgat winner. That's probably what he gets from this. Oh god! it's probably the fight
2: when Shafkot kills him can we just make him champion why do we keep delaying the best guy in the weight class from having the belt we did it with Shemaya like three years ago and look how that's worked out for us there are clearly some dudes there are some dudes who pretty clearly are the best guy or at least really have a compelling argument for it let him get the shot we spent four years hiding Habib when he could have just been the champ that whole time let's just do it with Shafkot man were,
3: were, were any questions answered for you guys in the co-main event? No, no. and that was my problem it, it, with no. the fight. A, it's such an, a, it's, so it's so amazing. It's so the out the outcome the, the hand injury, the circumstances <laughs> circumstances coming into the fight. I actually
2: have nothing more was questions. answered yeah, exactly. I have questions not questions. Zero,
3: zero. Nothing was answered. Everything was. I I can't really think of a fight like that 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 went fifteen minutes and we are more confused about where both those gentlemen are in the grand scheme of things. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs>
1: let, me ask you, let me ask you guys. If you had over-under for how many fights Kamara Usman has left in his career, 2.5, over-under?
2: Over.
0: Yeah, I say over.
1: You I'm think? always
2: going to take the over because fighters don't know when to walk away. I think he hey. knows when to walk away. I don't think that he wants to do this very much longer.
0: I think he'll I do three know, more.
2: I think he gets paid quite well, and it seems like he'll just keep doing it. If he loses two in a row, I guess that would put him at what? How many is he on? So, so, three fight three losing streak now. right now? Yeah. yeah. So, if he loses five. two more and he's on five, maybe. I two think that's it. That's a two and a half is a good line. I think as he gets as, two. I think he
3: has two left. I think as soon as he starts making whatever he's making, like under 750, I'll go that kind of. As soon as like they start maybe bringing his his pace go down. But I think until then he, he's gonna be over.
2: My thoughts To him versus Bobby Knuckles, just do that fight next. That's fine. Because neither dude okay. is doing anything at the moment. Why? Just, That's so pointless. It's Robert Whitaker fighting for a belt.
1: Robert Whittaker could actually become champion again. Like he is now open
2: in this. I, I don't division. know. I I just watched him fight Dricus Duplessis and uh, he's he's a ways out. <laughs> has beat fight. him like he owed him money. That fight, that fight was not competitive.
1: Yes, yes. yeah, happen. we all saw it, but also yeah. Robert Whitaker versus Sean Strickland is a very different matchup. I
2: don't know. I don't get why you just yeah. Said I just don't think he's random, random stuff because Robert Whitaker's not like he's three fights away from fighting for a belt right now in a middleweight title in a middleweight picture that might be Strickland <laughs> versus Hamzad. It's like I think he's well out of the picture. So you just keep him busy because otherwise he's gonna fight which I'm not like super opposed, but do you need to watch him fight Jack Hermanson? I'd way rather watch him fight Kamaru. That's at least like interesting in a different way.
0: I'll tell you who I want to see him fight. And it may not Bo be Nicker. now, but Ikram Alaskarov, man. I want to see that friggin' fight.
2: Dude, I'll know who's fighting Ikram because I wouldn't sign up for that. He's
0: a dude. <laughs> he's Pass.
3: A Pass. Poor no thanks. I, I don't like, think even, even Bo Nico ain't calling him, calling yeah. him out. Hey, he's a, everyone's avoiding that name. Everyone set up
1: your this. set up your prayer circles for Mick Maynard because it is not going to be easy to match make that guy moving forward no UFC middleweight is going to be accepting he's, that phone call
2: he's on the Umar path of no one will take me <laughs> no no one's going to fight me guys nasterdenium who, who like, can <laughs> you force to fight me who can you make fight me because that you don't like them that's it
3: yeah oh um i know we already talked about this but i just want to throw my two cents in yeah, this is complete bullshit by those fighters to do something like that because that means they've been training on those same mats all week, infecting the potentially infecting other fighters
2: and training partners and, and training partners, and, and, yeah, and,
3: yeah. and just staff people and like and working the, the, around the, the event. Yeah, literal staff that works there. Yeah, that's um, yeah. You don't do that. You it's disgusting, do that. man. Yeah, you it's know, it's, 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 it's a freaking staff infection, like. Like that's how staff incredibly-
2: gets bad. That, that's a dude, It's insane. just like,
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's that it it's, it's offensive. It's offensive <laughs> that a fighter would do that. You know, it's incredibly ever
2: trained. It's in, like if you've ever trained, it's like the first thing. Hey, are you good? Don't come if you have no. Don't yeah. don't come just, to the gym, dude. Step
1: infection has killed people. Yeah. Like you, you yeah. lose limbs, those people like limbs people get all the time chopped
3: off. Yeah, yeah,
2: just. Yes. Uh, it's it's incredibly selfish. It's. And, and that's my thing. Like, it.
1: hey, man, if that's going to be what you're going to do, you're going to make your choices. I'm not going to. I obviously can't do anything to stop you. Why are you telling us about I mean, it? Telling Why it. Why are <laughs> you telling us about it? If I'm if I'm someone who got away with shooting a person in the desert and no one saw me do it, I'm yeah. certainly not telling that story. The first like public pulpit I get like, that's crazy to me. Yeah, dude. What do
2: if what instead DC you can did. write a book called How I Did It? <laughs> and do then, what DC you know. did. We all know. Deny, deny, deny.
0: Deny, deny, deny. And then when your career's over and you get inducted in the Hall of Fame, then tell the story. Then you could say it. Then everyone's like, oh, that that DC, we forgive you. You definitely don't
2: there's nothing to forgive. That's still one of the funniest things that's happened in the history of this sport. You definitely don't do it when there are actual
1: people still fighting on the same mats that you just walked
0: off of. Do it yeah, do what Shemayev did and just get the hell out of Dodge and just leave. And don't say anything. That's what you do. Okay. What's you next it. for Walker and Ankle? I have rematch. No, you do it. can we oh, yeah. talk about
2: how insane yeah. that post-fight was? Where it's like Johnny Walker shoves the referee, which like should. Should probably get him in some real trouble, and is not going yep. to obviously. Okay. Um, and then is just like tries to fight without the referee stopping him. And then some ankle I have gets like mad and held back. Like, I don't. That was it. Devolved very quickly.
0: Yep, have to earn it back.
1: Light heavyweight is just eternally cursed, Ben. I hope I hope so badly that this curse does not follow us to New York City because I am uh, so – I'm
3: so looking I'm forward so, to that fight. Yeah, yeah that so, is my yeah, most anticipated fight of the year. More than the like, main just, event. More than the main event for sure. Same. And oh, just yeah. like, please, please, yeah. please, no, please don't ruin it. Please don't ruin it.
2: Please don't ruin it. that that fight's insulated because it already has the weirdness of – Alex Pereira's entire career and being just the most anomalous human being that's ever competed in this sport. So it's fine. That will be weird when he becomes a champ champ, like a, a two division champion in 10 fights. That will be the weird part.
0: Is Volkanovsky versus Teporia less exciting now? Nope. I don't, I don't think so. Not unless it happens
2: in January.
0: Yeah. Then it's not
1: exciting. Well, if anything, it it's more in interesting a, to me now. A healthy time. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Think so? I agree. It's more it feels, it feels more interesting to me now, definitely. I mean, we just saw Alexander Volkanovsky get knocked out. Like, you know, like this – we've seen That's it That's a now.
3: layer.
1: Yeah, we've seen I, it now. There is a, there's proof in front of our eyes that this can yeah. happen.
3: Yeah, I, I agree because, you know, the first time that fight, those kind of unstoppable fighters – like I remember when um, Anderson got knocked out by Wideman Like, it kind of broke our brains for a bit because we couldn't visualize that, you know? And now we've seen Volkanovski get iced. So it definitely is something – but I think it's more interesting to us. I don't know if the UFC knows how to sell that, though. How are they going to sell? Or they just – it just never happened, you know? How are they going to – I think like Japanese promotions, they always sell, like, losses. And, you know, this guy's coming back not not over here they kind of you know i don't know if the UFC is gonna they're, they're just gonna just gonna sell it. a
1: grudge they're gonna sell, sell yeah grudge. sell a grudge yeah elia is gonna say some mean things and they'll just focus on that for
3: their promotion oh uh, uh can
1: we
2: can I'm we really you, Casey, they should have more depth on this though because that fight's yeah. awesome
3: it yeah. is awesome but I, but I don't think the ufc would the, you know not. they don't have the depth and promote yeah the you know what i'm saying
2: real what quick say? real quick
1: yes. um because I don't know how much longer we're going to go, and I really want to mention this. Uh,
0: Yeah, let's do
1: this. Casey, can you throw back up the intro screen, the post-show intro screen? (laughs) This photo, this photo from – I got to shout him out. Chris Unger took this photo. This is maybe the coldest photo I have ever seen. Like this is an iconic photo. For people listening to the podcast, it's Islam Makachev doing the quiet sign with Alexander Volkanovsky blurry in the back. I am blown away by this photo. I have been staring at this photo for like an hour. <laughs> this is an incredible shot, man. I One
3: love the, the little bit of blurry blood you can see on Volk too. Just that a little bit of a cut right on his eye too. Like it's, it is a good photo.
0: Just, there's Unreal. so much you can break down from that photo. Like v- Makachev just walking away in his own world. Volkanovsky down blurred with multiple people surrounding him, checking on his well-being, and Makachev is just telling everyone to quiet down. And the referee's hand is just there like, okay, I'm just going to make sure you don't go back and land another shot. It's just so great. It's just incredible. Unbelievable. Well done, Chris. Good.
1: Kudos, Chris Unger. That is, again, we're going to be seeing that photo for the rest of our lives.
0: Indeed. It's up there.
2: I'm also going to take this opportunity because I do it every time this man fights up. Uh, R.I.P. Abdulmanop, because you were a fucking unbelievable coach, man. Yeah. Like, look, look at what he did, guys. (laughs) Like he just took two dudes, two dudes from Dagestan I was like, I'm gonna make you the best fighters in the world. Dude, by the end of this, by the and Usman's coming. And the problem I tweeted about it. I was like, if you are a dude weighing between 155 and 170 pounds, and you have title aspirations, bounce. F on that, get a new job, put on some (laughs) weight, cut off a limb because Islam's holding it down for like two to three years. And by then Usman will be here. And guess what? He'll be 28 in two to three years. This is the lightweight belt runs through Dagestan for like two decades. Just deal with it. It is unbelievable what Abdulmanop did over there.
1: The, by the end of this story, and we are not there yet, and this is just all potential. But by the end of this story, that man may have trained the three greatest lightweights in the history of this sport. That is
2: ridiculous. Unreal. The best weight class in the history of the sport. And he made the three best. Like, it is unreal what he did. It's freaking yeah. wild. And, man. you know, also shouts to Javier Mendez, who certainly yeah. plays a role in this. but oh, like, yeah. Absolutely. Geez, dude. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, like Javier's always always the first to give abdulmanap credit and like i felt when Abdulmanop passed the story was entirely about what habib lost and i understand that and that makes sense but like the mma world legitimately lost somebody really meaningful that day and i don't think it gets mentioned enough
0: completely so, agree new york maybe, rick maybe the best coach out. in the
2: sport maybe the best coach in the sport he
3: yep he he changed the game he changed he changed he the game. absolutely did that my um Yep. My, uh, our Victor Henry's coach, my coach, uh, Chad George, who wasn't there tonight. Um, he recently, about, uh, six months ago, he was in Eastern Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, uh, brought some fighters over there and he came back and now all during our grappling sessions, he's just like, guys, they fight so much harder than we fight. Like these guys, like, they eat glass. Like, these kids, these Dagestani wrestlers eat glass for breakfast. Like you do not understand how tough these wrestlers are. And like, so like it's it's really exciting watching these three lightweights well it could be retired but just just change the game and that's just it's just a really exciting part about mixed martial arts i love it
0: all
2: right mm-hmm. well said Good. casey hit the music all right also shout is um active longest winning streak in the ufc Ooh, yeah yes he wins I think he actually may have had it. Maybe he was just tied at 12. He had it. But no, he had it. Definitely had. Oh, so he definitely he had it. it heading
0: in. Did he he had, it had it heading in. But that win streak continues on and. 13 wins is for impressive. A long time.
2: 13 wins is impressive. You know the record is 16, so pretty good.
0: Yep. What Jeez. a what a weird card. Exciting <laughs> moments. Drama shitty doctors
2: this thing had it all everybody so think about Adriano Martins and getting to dine out on that story for the rest of your yes. life man hell <laughs> oh, yeah now
0: we have John Jones coming back at UFC 295 which is just in three weeks three weeks from right now the prelims will be going on at Madison Square Garden
2: can we get Adriano Martins and Matt Hamill together to just like have a beer <laughs> as, as those dudes you know
0: I'll get Matt Ham on the watch, party. how about that? Uh, thank you all very much for Jed, for Casey, for Shaheen, AK, and I will see you tomorrow for on to the next one. Until then, everybody, have a good night. Thanks for watching. Love Let's y'all. Let's go
1: D-backs. Let's go D-backs. Get this.
3: Ghost Stros. <laughs> Boom.
0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.